Well, it's Christmas this week, and I, I'm kind of a tiny bit bummed because there's a lot of things that I like to do at Christmas time that I didn't get to do this year. And is that okay? I mean, we all have our things, right? I mean, I'm just being real. One of the things that I love doing is a big birthday party for Jesus. You know, when kids are little, they, they, they get the birthday parties, right? You get to go to somebody's house, and what do you get? You get cake? You get to watch somebody open the presents you brought. You typically get party favors, right? There's usually some fun party games. I mean, if it's a little boy's birthday party, I have not been to one little boy's birthday party that did not end in the most epic Nerf gun fight ever, right? I mean, because somebody always gets the Nerf guns. Then they run up to their bedroom. They pull out all the extra Nerf guns out of their closets, and everybody gets a Nerf gun. And, you know, usually I end up with, like, just some bullets. I'm just throwing them at the kids as they come running by, right? You know? I mean... Parties are always fun. It's been part of our culture to have festivals and to have celebrations. If you look back, even, you know, we, the, the oldest culture that we know, that we have writings of that is still together today, is the Jewish culture. And so we get the privilege of reading about their culture because we can read through the Old Testament. And they would have festivals all the time. They would have fun festivals. There was a, at least three major festivals that they would observe year after year. And it usually included good food, but there would also be this time of remembrance. Of, and they would retell the story. Like, what is the story? Why are we celebrating today? So when it's somebody's birthday, right, we celebrate the fact that they were born. I just had an opportunity to have dinner with somebody the other day that it was their birthday. And, you know, and my part of my prayer was, Lord, I'm so thankful they were born. I mean, we live now in a culture where not all of us are born that are conceived. And, and my friends, you, you, we were all born. And so it's just awesome. Well, one of the reasons why I love doing a birthday party for Jesus is I love reminding the children why we do the things we do. Why do we put a Christmas tree in our house on Christmas Day, right? Where does that come from? Well, we know that they began celebrating on Sundays because that was the day Jesus was resurrected, right? And so the, the culture shifted from having Sabbath on Saturdays to Sundays so that we know that throughout the history of the Christian church, cultures would shift. Well, one of the things that Paul would tell the, the people as they were going out and doing missionary work is to, he would say, when, look, when I'm with the Jewish people, I'm like with the Jewish culture. But when I'm with the Gentile people, I figure out the Gentile culture. I'm all things to all people so I can spread the gospel. What was he saying? He was saying, look, when you go into somebody's house, you kind of do what they do, Right. If I, if I go into somebody's house that um, takes their shoes off, I take my shoes off. I kind of get into that, whatever their culture is. If I go to somebody else's house, they say, leave your shoes on. Well, then I, then I leave my shoes on. And so when Paul would send these missionaries out, he was trying to explain to them, get to know the people in their culture the best you can, right? And then, and then spread the gospel however possible to those people. So when the missionaries would go out as they went across Europe, they, they did that. So when St. Patrick went to Ireland, right, he wanted to relate to the people. What did they have everywhere? They had a three-leaf clover. So he said, hey, I want you to always think about God. So every time you see a three-leaf clover, I want you to remember the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the three different leaves represented the triunity of God because those are important parts. Well, when one of the missionaries went into Germany, right, they worshipped the very pagan religions there, the old religions, and they would worship oak trees. They would bring in images of the oak trees, they would bring in these different things, and they would worship. And so he 
wanted to shift it all during one of the darkest times of the year, which, you know, during Christmas, the 21st, I think the 20th of December is the darkest day of the year. It's the longest day of dark in in northern uh, continents. And so he would bring in this festival of lights, and he brought in a Christmas tree. And it was supposed to represent a triangle. And then the three sides, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he would bring it in and say, just like we bring this tree in the center of our homes, we need to put God in the center of our lives. And so they used that to celebrate during the Christmas season, God, bringing God into your life. And then, of course, we have the angels on the top of the tree, and we talk about angels. And one of the things that I've always had, I have one at home, and I have her here, is we have an African-American angel, a black angel on the top of our tree. We have one at home. We've always done that. I try to have angels of all the different ethnicities. And I point that out to the, what's funny is usually the children don't even notice it. Sometimes the adults will be like, oh, wow, your angel is so beautiful. And I'll be like, yes, God is not white people. <laughs> like, and that's one of the things we would talk about in our, in our birthday party for Jesus is that, you know, God is here for all people. He created all of us. And so we have the angels to remind us that they were out there announcing to the shepherds that Christ was born. And the shepherds then went through the village and they spread that information to everyone. Then the, the, the wise men came and they brought the different gifts. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then we have the stars on the top of our tree. And the stars represent the celestial things that were happening. So since we couldn't have that party today, I wanted to refresh all of your memories because you can share this with your children, with your families. You can have this time of remembrance every year when you have your Christmas time. And most of the time, most of the years, what we'll do is, and Claudia was reminding me today, she's like, we have to have our birthday cake for Jesus. It's his birthday. We were talking about our menu, you know. And um, we always, like, have at least one cake, and then we'll put some birthday candles on it, and then before we cut it up, we always sing happy birthday to Jesus because we're so thankful he was born. And then I remind the children, because Jesus came to give to us, Rather than us giving him presents on Christmas, he encourages us to love each other and give presents to each other. And that's why we exchange presents on his birthday. And because whenever you have someone's birthday, you always bring them a present. And so we give presents to each other to to celebrate that. But what I wanted to start with today was to read out of the book of Luke. Because not only was the birth of Christ announced through all the prophets throughout the Old Testament, but it was also announced to a few other people before he was born. And one of them was Mary. So in the book of Luke, Luke is an interesting one to read all of this with because, you know, in a lot of the other Gospels, you don't see Jesus talking around, sitting around talking about his birth story with the guys. So it's not recorded that way. But after Jesus died and rose again and then ascended into heaven, one of the people that was still living was Mary, his mother. And she was probably quite young when she had him, probably under the age of 20. And we know that he died when he was about 33, 32 years old. So she was probably, at the very oldest, maybe 50, but probably younger than that. And so she still was alive. And Luke was a Gentile physician who had been trained and was really good at investigating things and writing things out. So he was tasked by this very wealthy man to go and interview everybody and to write down what really happened. So Luke was smart, and he's like, well, I'm going to go find Mary and ask her what happened. So in the beginning of Luke chapter 1, we hear about the birth of John the Baptist foretold and what happened with Elizabeth and Zacharias. 
But then, in starting in verse 26, we hear about the birth of Jesus. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel replied, or answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child at her old age, and she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Well, I love that. There's so much to pick apart and look at with Mary's response. And the story continues. Like I said, there's not only the, the, the wise men who ended up coming, the shepherds who found out about it, but then there was the whole matter of her husband, Joseph, learning about what was going to happen and their journey to get to Bethlehem where Jesus was born, and that obviously fulfilled a prophecy. But what I want to do is stop here in this moment of where Mary was. We've been doing this series where we've been looking at, talking about Christmas present and past and our Christmas future. I, I mentioned to all of you the, the, the Christmas Carol movie, right, with Scrooge, and, and, how, and I said it's not very biblical, right, because it's ghosts and it's the Christmas past and all this stuff. But the point of the story that Charles Dickens was trying to get to was Scrooge was letting his memories, the bad things that happened to him in the past, ruin his present, and then when he showed him the future, then all of a sudden he gets this, you know, worry and this anxiety about what the future was going to bring. And he could have just stayed in that fear of, well, one day I'm going to die and no one's going to be there. But instead, he decided to change his present, to change that future. And so today, as we look at our Christmas in the present, these Christmas memories that we have, I want to look at what Mary's response was here. When the angel first came, it says she was, here in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So Mary, in that moment, was troubled and thought, how is this going to affect me, right? She had this anxiety about what does this mean? And, and the angel told her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God, Right? And then all of a sudden it was like, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Now I'm looking at my past, saying there's nothing in my past that's saying that this could happen. And he's saying, don't worry about that, right? God is going to overshadow you. God is going to make up for what didn't happen in your past because it wasn't meant to happen there. 
But in the present and today, God is going to make up for it today. And that's what I want us to kind of focus on for a moment, is looking at we've got to let go of what did or didn't happen in our past. We've got to not worry and wonder about the future, but we have to be like how Mary was at the end of this conversation where she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. I want God's will for my life to be fulfilled for today. I can't worry about the future. I can't wonder about the past. I've got to stay in the present. In Psalms 34, we see where our hope comes from. It says that the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have troubles, may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all of his bones, not one of them will be broken. I love that because sometimes when we say, like, all right, we're going to let go of the past. We're not going to worry about the future. We're going to talk about today. People say, but Mary, you don't understand. I've got troubles. I know. Many of you look at me and think, I don't have any troubles, but I have troubles too. Just this week, I was in the Myers. And this, this is going to sound silly because this is not typically like me. I'm walking around Myers, and thank goodness I have this big, huge mask on. And I'm like thinking, like, I think I'm having a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack before. Like, like I, is this a panic attack, right? Like, this is, is this anxiety? Like, I was in busy trying to run around the store and grab some stuff and get back to take care of something else, to get over here, to do this. I didn't get home that night till late because I had so much going on. And in that moment, I was, like, hyperventilating. I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this, Right? Have you ever, am I the only person that has ever been in a really stressful situation? And in that moment, I just said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me with this moment. Like I had to let go of what I didn't think I was going to get done that day. I had to not worry about what I didn't get done yesterday. And in that moment, I just needed the Lord to help me at that time. And guess what? I said some prayers. I got through my shopping. I got in the car, took some deep breaths. I, made it, I had to make a decision, right? I had to say, I'm not going to get done these five things. I'm going to just wait and do them tomorrow. And I'm not going to be mad at myself about what I didn't do yesterday. I'm going to focus on these three things and just do them well today. Right? I had to make a decision in that moment, in the parking lot of the Myers over there in Pine Road, to stay in the present. And that's what I want us to talk about because COVID has been a really yucky year. You know, as, as we go through this Christmas time and into the new year, if I were to sit and look back at all the things that has happened this last year, or maybe things that I did 10 years ago or five years ago or the night before, I wouldn't have any peace in that moment. If I were to think about all the stuff I can't do now in the future, I would have anxiety, right? I would have all these different things. See, what is the enemy of this hope that has been promised to us? Go ahead and put up that slide. It says, overthinking the past, which you cannot change, can cause you depression. Now, there's lots of different people that make these quotes. I was trying to find the origin of it, but I couldn't quite. So this is my version of it. But overthinking the past, which you cannot change, can cause depression. 
So when we are spending our present thinking about the past, that's how the devil will then sneak inside of us to get us into a depression, okay? But now, if we overthink the future, which you cannot predict, that can cause anxiety, right? Because think about it. Like, if I am sitting here in my present and I'm not focused on what I'm happening today, I'm just thinking about the future, then that's where it causes me anxiety. That's why I'm anxious about, right, the rest of my day, because I don't think I have enough time to get everything done. Or I'm anxious about going to this, this event or going into this store because I'm overthinking about what hasn't even happened yet. I find that most people that have anxiety or overthink things, um, myself included, it's you're thinking about the worst case scenario that 90% of the time doesn't even happen. So I just spent all this time in my present moment feeling no peace and going through all this anxiety about something that doesn't even happen. But see, that's how Satan will steal our hope. See that verse there in verse 34, I love this. He says, the righteous cry out to him. Why do we have to cry out to him? Because we cannot figure it out on our own. I tell you what, I'll be honest with y'all. When I put my pants on today, I didn't cry out for my husband to come help me put them on. Why? Because I didn't need his help putting my pants on, right? But one time when my foot was, had surgery and I had a big cast on it and I needed help, guess who I cried out? Hey, help me get these pants off. Help me figure this out, right? Why did I cry out to him? Because I needed help. Why does it say the righteous cry out to the Lord? Because we need help. Sometimes I think the depression and the anxiety gets on us and Satan steals that from us because he's whispering in our ear, God doesn't want to hear you. God doesn't want to help you. You're not worthy of it. You're a sinner. He, can't, you, he won't help you. He, knows what you. he won't know what you've done. Right? People say to me, I can't come to church. You don't know what I've done. The roof will cave in. It's like we cry out to God because we are sinners, because we do need help, because we have done things, and I need his peace to let go of the depression so I don't think about what I've done in the past, to wash me clean. It says, the righteous cry out to him. Why? Because they are dirty dog sinners who need help and cannot do life on their own. Because we were not meant to do life on our own. And the Lord hears them. Thank the Lord that his ears and his listening skills are way better than mine. Some of you walk up to me after service, and my mind is a million places over here, and you tell me something, then you walk away, and I'm like, oh, crap, what did they say, right? Right? And I don't mean that to be rude. I just mean it because I'm a human and my mind is all over. But God's not like that. When you cry out to him and when you call out to him, he hears you. Sometimes we have to be patient because he's working behind the scenes and it's way better. And we get frustrated. But I tell you what, he hears us. It says he delivers them from all their troubles. Why is he delivering righteous people from their troubles? Because righteous people have troubles. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus was saying he overcame it. He did not say, take heart, because you'll figure it out and you'll overcome it. Nope. I may never overcome this world and the troubles that are in it, but thank God Jesus has. And thank goodness that he is going to send help. Thank goodness he is my source, and he is my provider, and he is my protector. Yes, I will do my best, because that's my personality, and that's who I am, and I'm going to try to do my best when I can, right? But there's days where I'm just tired, and, and my best is not good enough. And that's when I pray and cry out to him. 
Sometimes it's like, Lord, I just yelled at my kids, and they didn't deserve that, and I don't know if they're going to ever forgive me. Lord, soothe their heart. Be with them. Help me. Lord, I just screwed up in my marriage, and I just said something horrible to my husband. Let that fade from his memory. Please, Lord, don't let that stick. Lord, I just was really rude to a friend of mine on the phone. I don't know what was into me. I don't know why I said that. Lord, I don't want to speak like that to people. Help me. Help me never do that again. But Lord, soothe their heart. Help them not remember what I said. I mean, these are just a few examples. I'm sure you all have your own examples of the moments that you regret, right? But if I stay in the present and I keep thinking about them with no crying out to God and then letting it go, but instead worrying and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing it, that's when depression sticks in, sinks in. And then that's when Satan can remind you and tell you that you're just a dirty dog and that, you know, why, why even try? See, the difference is, is I acknowledge it and I repent and I cry out to God to help deliver me and help fix it. And then I got to let it go and I got to keep going on, right? I can't stay in the past and I can't sit here and just fret about the future. I got to stay in this moment. See, we reject the past when our expectations aren't met. What do I mean by that? Sometimes, like, I have depression about the past, or I overthink about the past, when it's like, I had this expectation, and I wanted, you know, I wanted, on my birthday, my husband to come home with a dozen roses, and he didn't. I'm just using this as an example, okay? And I had this expectation, and, and the people around me didn't fulfill it, or I had an expectation of myself. Have you ever done that? Like, oh, I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, January 2nd, and I'm going to go down to the gym, and I'm going to work out for an hour. Then I'm going to come home, and I'm going to clean this entire house, and then I'm going to be ready for work by 8. Yeah, maybe we do that once, right? Maybe we do it twice. And then all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I'm just so lazy. I just I can't get up and go work out. I bought this membership, right? These are just different examples. But don't you ever do that where you have these expectations for yourself, or you have these expectations on others, and then it doesn't happen? And then all of a sudden, now we've got this rejection feeling. They didn't, they didn't love me the way I wanted to be loved. They didn't say what I wanted them to say. I didn't do what I wanted to do. But guess what? You can't stay in the past and, and be upset by the expectations that didn't happen. Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, Paul is talking. And, and Paul had a really interesting life um, he was, he was the Jew of all Jews. He was raised to be a Pharisee. He knew the law. When the Christians first came on the scene, he thought these people need to be killed. He would sit, at, sit and hold on to the coats of everybody stoning and killing the Christians. He would go and get you know, legal documents and go into towns and pull women and children and men out of their homes and have them executed for claiming that Christ was the Messiah. He was a dirty dog. He did it in the name of his religion because he couldn't understand that Christ came. But God knew his heart that he was doing it because he really fervently loved God. So God had this moment with Paul. He was on the road to Damascus, and he struck Paul down blind, and he talked to him, and he appeared to him, and he said, Paul, Paul, or his name was Saul at the time. Saul, Saul, why? Why are you doing this to me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, Jesus. 
And so that's, I mean, other than the fact that when Christ came and showed himself again to the disciples and they went from being scared and hiding out to being bold in the streets and the Christianity, when the Holy Spirit filled them, they just became bold and went all over the place. One of the other second miracles that happened after Jesus went was the transformation of Saul. He then changed his name to Paul because so many Christians were afraid of Saul because Saul was known to have them killed. All of a sudden now, this new man named Paul comes out and he says, I was wrong. When Christ appeared to me, I went through the scriptures and I went through everything I know about the Christian faith and what Jesus did and I realized he is the Messiah. He did raise himself again. Like when I do pray for people, the Holy Spirit falls on them and people are healed. He's like, I know this is Christ. But he would talk about his horrible past and he would say, when all of you say that you've screwed up in the past, I've killed people, I've had people murdered, I've had people brought out of the streets, women and children. He felt worse about them than the men, sorry men, but he really was bothered that he did that to the women and children, let alone the men. But, and he said, he said, you know, but here's the thing, I can't dwell back with what I did. I can't let my present day be so filled with regret and depression and shame that I'm not any good in my future, in my, in my present time. So he says this in verse 12, not that I've already obtained this, or that I've already arrived at my goal, right? He wanted the goal of being perfected in Christ. He said, I, I, not perfect. I, I have not obtained it. Not one of us is ever perfect, even though he was now a Christian and loving the Lord. But he says, not that I've obtained it, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying, look, I can't, and there's other passages where Paul explains, he says, without looking back, I go towards the prize. I go forward. He says, I got to press on. Yeah, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm not going to be stuck in the past. See, we have to decide to shift our focus. I always say, where's this thought coming from, right? Sometimes we cook up thoughts like, oh, what do I want to eat tonight for dinner? Well, I got that chicken in the fridge, and oh, I really haven't had any burgers in a while. You know, they got the two for five at Burger King. Maybe I just want to get a Whopper. Uh, I don't know. Right, that's me thinking up, right? That's me calculating. That's me thinking about what do I want to eat? What do I got in the fridge, right? There's thoughts where we just, but then there's something you're like sitting and watching a show with your family, and all of a sudden this weird thought comes in there, but boy, he's, he's cute, right? Or, or, oh, you know, you got to you know, do this. Or, oh, you know, your sister-in-law once said something like that. And, oh, boy. Right? Sometimes these thoughts just land on you. And then there's other times where you walk by the guy at the store and he's ringing the bell and you think, you should give him a 20. And you're like, oh, I don't want to give him a 20. What kind of thought is that? That thought didn't originate with you. Maybe that was an angel saying, give that, you know, give Salvation Army a 20. <laughs> right? Like sometimes the thoughts are the angels and God tempting us to do good. And sometimes it's the devil tempting you to do bad. And sometimes it's just you and your humanity thinking things up or, or noticing something. But see, when these thoughts come, we have to decide what we dwell on. 
There's scriptures that talk about that, about dismissing, dismissing things. And then other scriptures talking about how you can then meditate on and focus on. See, we get to control our thoughts. Just like we get to control our actions. We forget about that, though. I mean, a lot of times we think, well, I have no control. He made me angry. Well, if I was to ring your doorbell the moment you're screaming at your dog, I bet you you'd, you'd, you'd stop real quick and you'd come to the door as soon as you saw Oh, hi, Pastor Mary, right? And then when I was like, oh, isn't this a cute puppy? Oh, yeah, we've had him for two years. In your head, you're thinking, that dirty dog that just pooped in my bedroom. Like, I want to kick you and throw you out in the backyard. And Oh, yeah, isn't he sweet? Yeah, yeah, we adopted him, right? Think about it. Like, why, why do you react that way? Because you have self-control. So if you could have self-control if I walked into your house and not be swearing and not be whatever, you know, because you could have self-control for the five minutes when I stopped by, you can choose to have self-control in the next five hours. We just, we kind of give in to it and we, well, okay, but we won't go there, right? We don't want to hear all that today. The point is we have to decide if we're going to live in Christmas past and be depressed by all the things and expectations that didn't happen. We have to decide if we're going to be stuck in Christmas future and be anxious and be worried about what is it going to look like a year from now. Or we can make a decision to stay in Christmas present and make sure that our actions that happen today help us as we press forward. See, worry and anxiety of our future robs us of the enjoyment of today. We see here in Matthew chapter 6, there's, there's a whole passage here, and, and for lack of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage and try to explain it. I'm just going to touch on a few verses. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Nope, but you sure can waste an hour of your life, can't you? Yep, what does it say in verse 34? It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is he saying? He's saying, just focus in the moment you're in. Now, I mean, as modern-day Americans, it doesn't mean that we don't plan, you know, what we got to do next week. But planning about next week and worrying about next week are two different things. If a thought comes and says, oh, I'm out of bread and my husband needs sandwich bread for his sandwiches next week, well, that is going to, oh, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm worried about it, I'm worried about it, I'm going to go home and worry about it and tell, oh, I'm really worried you don't have any bread. No! I'm going to stop at Kroger's on my way home and grab him a loaf of bread, right? What does the worry do? What does the thought do? If the thought speeds you into action in your present to make something better for the future, then that was a good thought. But if the thought is nothing you can do, then I'm going to go back to Psalms 34 and say, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Again, I don't ask him to come help me put my pants on because I can do it. So I'm not going to ask God to help me with my loaf of bread this week. I'm going to go to the store and do it. Buy the loaf of bread. But if my worry is, what if my husband gets COVID next week and he's dead by January 5th? Maybe I should spend the next hour worrying about that because that could happen, couldn't it? Could th- all of us are going to die at some point. That could happen. Can I change that? Can I do anything? Well, I can buy him a mask. I can encourage him to wash his hands. So I've already done that, right? We wear masks. We do whatever. I've done my best. Now, guess what? The rest is on God. So rather than me spend the next five hours wondering if my husband's going to get COVID and die next week or if I'm going to get COVID and die next week or if my children are going to get COVID and die next week, instead, I'm going to cry out to the Lord. 
So if I have a moment where that saint tries to put that thought on me, I say, Lord Jesus, cover us with the blood of Jesus. Cover us with the blood. Holy Spirit, fill us with wisdom. Put a hedge of protection, angels all around us. Do not let any sickness or disease come near our house. Thank you. Thank you that your promises are true, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you just heard my cry and that we will be all right. I trust you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's been my response anytime a thought like that comes. Actually, recently, Satan doesn't even put that thought on me anymore. I think he's tired of me praying. You know, it's like the thought comes, I'm like, Lord Jesus, watch over us. And he's like, dang it, she keeps calling out for Jesus every time I try to make her worry. Just forget it, right? Don't, don't bother her anymore. But that's where we should all be. We should all recognize when the thought comes, is this going to try to rob me of my joy of this moment? And if Satan is trying to rob me of my joy, I'm going to stick it up his whatever. We won't talk about that. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to cry out to God, and then hopefully, eventually, right? And sometimes it's our, our own thinking, our patterns. We've just done it for years. We know the word says that the iniquities of the fathers pass down to the sons. What does that mean? How your parents were, you might be. So if my mom worried all the time, or if my mom gossiped all the time, or if my dad was a liar all the time, or if he, you know, he was abusive, then all of a sudden when I get in that position, sometimes I pick up those habits, right, that iniquity of how they were, because I learn, children learn from how their fathers are, they learn from how their mothers are. So sometimes I have to be honest and just say, okay, this worry or this bad habit is something I saw in my grandfather. It's something I saw in my mother. So I have to make a choice and ask the Lord to help me. I'm going to cry out to the Lord and say, help me break off this generational curse. Because this, this gossip or this lying or this worry or this, this abuse or whatever it might be, this anger that they had, I don't want to keep put it, passing it down to my children. So help me, Lord. But in any case, whether it's some sort of habit that has become ingrained in you or it's some sort of demonic temptation that is coming upon you or it's your own thoughts, we have to recognize it and make a choice. See, Scrooge at the end of the movie he, he was shown, these are your regrets of the past. This is what's going on in the present. This is where you could be. You could have helped your employee by having a better goose. You could have been at the dinner party with your nephew and having a good time. And because this is how you're living your life, this is what your future is going to be like. And when he saw his, the death in the future, he, was, he got anxiety, right? He got worried. He got scared. But see, when he was brought back to present day, he could have made a decision to stay where he was and continue to be in the depression of his past and anxiety of now what he knows is the future is going to be. But he didn't. He made a decision to change his actions, to change his life, to change his thinking patterns. Now, I wish we could all just instantaneously change like Scrooge did. I mean, that's the only part that's like a little far-fetched for me is how generous he was in the beginning, Right? But he made a choice. See, we can make a choice, and we might fall down a few times along the way, right? Like a lot of people, like, well, Mary, I accepted Christ, and I still sinned last night. Like, welcome to the club. I've been, I've been baptized since I was three years old. I made a decision. I wanted to be with the Lord. And guess what? I, I still screw up. Just because you have Christ in you doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that when you make a mistake, you don't have to feel guilt or shame about it anymore. You're like, yeah, I did it again. What's that song? Oops, I did it again. Like, oops, I did it again. Right? I need that Savior. I need the blood to wash me clean again. And so what we do is we cry out to him. 
and he cleanses us. But see, now I have somebody to help me. Right? Now I have somebody. It's like when you first get married, and maybe you've been so used to uh, doing everything on your own. You know, my husband walks in like, why are you fixing that? Well, because it needs to be fixed. Well, I can help you. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't have to do it on my own anymore. I've got someone now who can come help me. And it's the same thing. Like, when we first accept Christ, we still think we've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. I've got to be better. I've got to do this. Oh, no, no, no. I can cry out to him. Because he will never leave me nor forsake me. In Matthew chapter 11, he says that he wants to help us. In verse, or chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying? It's heavy. Carrying your future on your shoulders. It's heavy carrying your past and all your mistakes on your shoulders. Why do you want to do that? Let it go. Give it to God. Be in rest in today. I still have things that are coming up. I don't know what the answer is, but guess what God does? I mean, think about it. A lot of things with this building and with all the things that's happened with this church. I'd have people say to me, Mary, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know, but God does. And I'd turn around and get my car and drive home and be like, God, this was your idea. This is your responsibility. You've got to figure this out. And some people say, well, that's arrogant. You talk to God like that. He is my loving heavenly father. He sent Jesus, so literally I have permission now to pray to him in the name of Jesus. I go, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I get to talk to him like I would any of you. And I tell him, because he knows what's in my heart already. I'm like, God we got to pay the mortgage payment this month. you got to figure it out. you got to send the money in. You've gotta, you, this is your responsibility. I'm not going to lose one wink of sleep tonight wondering where it's coming from. Why? Because he says I can cry out to him, that he would be the provider, that he would take care of this. Now, if I wake up and he puts on my heart, well, go put a fundraiser on Facebook or do whatever, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to follow what he says. Like when Todd goes to sleep at night, right, it's kind of like he says, okay, i got to work tomorrow. I'm going to provide. But there's some things in our lives that we just have no control over, and that's when we go to God. See, he's not looking for perfection, but he's looking for us to have faith in him. I'm going to enjoy today and choose to think about today. Now, I'll make plans for the future, but I'm not going to sit and worry about the future. We will have trouble. He says that. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For in this moment, let us trust in God. We don't know what's going to happen with our government, with our jobs, with, with the virus, with the vaccines. I'll be honest, we don't know. But I do know God loves you. I do know that God will be with us. I do know that God will provide you know, I mean, there might be days where some of us are eating baking beans for three days in a row, and that's not what we want. But guess what? We'll, we'll make it. We will make it. As a church family, we all pull together. When people call the church and they're like, hey, I just need some canned goods. Guess what? I don't say, oh, are you a church member? We're, you know, when's the last time you came and tithed? Absolutely not. We're not here for specific people. We're here to be a church family for this community because some of them are so hurting. Where it's like, let me pray with you. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you where the food pantries are. Let me tell you when you can stop in. Let me tell you how we can help you. See, 
not only is God with us, but he's brought us to a place where we can call out for help, not only to him, but with each other. I'm going to choose to walk in peace. That's a choice. We've got to remember that. We can choose to walk in peace. To be, the Bible says, be at peace with all brethren. If he told us to do it, that must mean it's something we have control over. How many times does it say in the Bible? Some people claim it's like 365 times. You've got to be creative with some of the passages there, but it's a lot where they say, do not be afraid. Do not worry. You know what else the Bible says? The Bible says, do not murder. The Bible also says, do not lie. So if he seems to think I have a capacity to restrain myself and not murder you when I'm really mad, he must think I have the capacity to restrain myself to do not worry when I'm really concerned. But it requires us to make a choice. It requires us to kind of live through and make these decisions to stay in the present. For some people, I say, you know what, when you've got a big fear and, you, and you're really worried, you know, think it through. Allow yourself to have that five minutes to think it through. Say, okay, if the worst case scenario happens, what am I going to do? Who am I going to call? How am I going to respond? And then let it go. Right? Now you've got a plan. So if God forbid that does happen. This is how I'm going to handle it. This is who I'm going to call. You know, for sometimes it's like, well, I don't know who I'd call. I guess I'd call on Jesus. Well, is he going to always be there with you? Would he be able to help you? I remember one time we were driving down to St. Louis. There's a dream center down there. And I had Marlene in the car with me. I had a few other people. And uh, we prayed. We prayed. We got in the car. We prayed, Lord, be with us. Watch over our vehicle. You know, um, help us get down there safe and sound. Help us get back. And we went down. No problems. We had a great time. And then on the way back, all of a sudden, smoke starts billowing out of the car. And, and so I'm thinking, is the car on fire? Do I need to get the occupants out? I didn't know. I pulled over. There was all this construction going on. There was all this traffic coming by. But, I mean, it was really blowing out, like the smoke, right? So I open up the hood, and I'm looking. I'm trying to determine, is it a radiator leak? Is something on fire? What's going on? And as I'm looking, I have the side door open so the girls could jump out in case the car was on fire. And I look, nothing was on fire. It appeared to be something to do with the radiator. And I was still debating about what to do, and all of a sudden, this car pulls up next to us. And I don't know about you, but as a woman, when I travel, like, I'm not super trusting of anybody that pulls up. But this man happens to be in a military uniform. And I have a soft spot for men in uniform. For military, I always respect that they do, servicemen, right? Um, I'm teasing. Some of you guys are going to say awful things about me after you hear me preach. (laughs) My point is, because the man was in a military uniform, I wasn't afraid. And so I went over, and, and he said, I said, I think it's just the radiator. but this And he was like, you need to get off this road. You need to get off this road right now. Put your hood down, get everybody in your car, and follow me. He's like, we'll, we'll look at it when we get off this road. You need to get off this road. And he was just so insistent that I was like, oh, like all of a sudden now this concern about the car burning up and all this stuff. So I had everybody get back in the car. We closed the hood. And he kind of got over it, and so the traffic went. He, we were able to follow him. He got us off the road. We went to a gas station. In my mind, I'm thinking, great, well, now that we're here, I'll pop the hood again, and he'll look under the hood for us and tell us what he thinks, right? I mean, what man doesn't want to at least try with a whole car full of good-looking women? I mean, right? Right? Come on. 
Well, we get over there. I get over. I, I pull the thing to pop the hood, and he pulls up, and he goes, I'm glad you're off that road. You should be okay now. Goodbye. And he left. He didn't even, I'm like, seriously, dude? You don't even going to try to help us? But how do we not know that he was not an angel sent by God to get us off that road? That there wasn't going to be a semi that came up with all this traffic jam that would have slammed into us and we all would have been dead and there'd be no dream center today. We had prayed, Lord, protect us, Lord, keep us safe. We don't know. The Bible says that there are times when you've entertained angels unaware that you didn't even know. Why is it we pray and we ask him to help us and then we're surprised when he does in some of the most unexpected ways? But in that moment, I realized that he helped us in that moment. We got off the road, we figured it out, and then we just stopped every 30 minutes to keep refilling the radiator. It took us a lot longer to get home that night, but we were safe. We made it. So I don't know what your worries about your past are and what your regrets of your past are. And I'm sorry if they are bad memories. And God wants to heal you and bring bring refreshing and make you a new creation in Christ so that the old is gone and the new has come. But I know he doesn't want us to stay in depression. He doesn't want us to stay in that shame. He wants us to know that he came and sent Jesus to make us new again. And I don't know what your worries are about the future. I don't know what plagues you at night, what, where anxiety comes upon you. But I know God does not want us to stay in that moment either. He wants us to to do our best and to make plans for the future the best we can. But he also wants us to cry out to him when we're in trouble because trouble and hard times will come. I do know what the Christmas gift Jesus wants for you this year, though, is for you to have peace because in him you will have peace. He wants you to come and lay down your worries and your yoke and take upon his, him on you because it says his burden is easy and light. And he wants us to walk in joy. And he wants us to walk in peace. So if it's okay with all of you, I'm going to pray over you, right? I'm going to pray that depression is broken off of you. I'm going to pray that anxiety is broken off of you. And I'm going to pray that you're going to make good choices when you leave here. Not because if you don't make good choices, you're going to hell. Nope. Heaven and hell is not determined on what you do. Sorry, folks, you're not that powerful. Are you surprised? Heaven and hell is dependent on what Christ did. The blood of Jesus, when you claim it, when you accept him, his blood paves the way for you to go to heaven. His blood cleanses you white as snow. All you have to do is accept it. But your choices when you leave here will affect your present day. They will. When you're on earth, I always say earthly sin brings earthly pain. That's the reality of it. That's why he says don't have an affair. When your spouse finds out you had an affair, there's going to be a lot of earthly pain going on in that relationship, right? That's just the reality of it. If you look at all the rules and things that he told us to do, it's for our benefits and for the benefits of those around us while we're here on earth. But what Christ did on the cross cleanses us for eternal life. And when I also, when I accept him, the benefit of while I'm here on earth is that I can cry out to him and he will help me with today. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly. As righteous people, we know we are sinners. As righteous people, we know that we have been worrying about the past and, oh, and have regrets. As righteous people, we know that we sometimes have anxiety and, and worry and stress about tomorrow and the future. We don't want it anymore. We're done. 
We're asking you to take it from us. We're asking you, Father God, in this moment to give us peace, to restore our soul and our spirit to what you want it to be, full of love, full of your light, full of joy, full of peace. So we cry out to you, and we know that you will hear us. Help us, Lord. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your child who needs your help. Help us. Help us in this moment. Enjoy today. Help us in this moment. Be filled with your peace. Help us in this moment. Plan for tomorrow, but leave it there and not worry about tomorrow. Help us, Father God. Help us to enjoy Christmas this year in the midst of the pain and the struggle that we have in our culture and our society at this time. Help us not to have our focus be on the problems, but instead our focus to be on Jesus and the precious gift that you sent. Help us to lean on each other as a Christian family to be able to help each other and be generous towards each other. Help us to be able to call out to you to fill our hearts with your peace. But above all, we just ask you to protect us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When Satan plans traps to trap us and to, to snare us and to, to make this battle in our mind, we just ask you to intercede. We give you permission, Father God, to intercede on our behalf. Fill us with your peace. Protect us. Watch over us. May the blood of Jesus be around us and our entire household. And we trust you, Father God, because you are a good, good Father, and we are your children, because we believe that Jesus came. We believe that he rose again, and we believe in the blood that was shed for our sins, and we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, and if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget that the Blessing Shop is open. If you need anything, let them know back in the welcome booth in the back. And enjoy your Christmas season. I hope to see you next week. Thank you.